one comes next to the Father except through faith in me. To know me is to know the Father. Everything you see about Jesus, everything that's been written about Jesus, everything through the four Gospels and even into the book of Acts about Jesus, everything in the Bible about Jesus is a total representation of God the Father. Matter of fact, we're not so much going to a destination when we're saved. We become and we're into a, what's a better way to say it, a relationship. It's about a relationship, a restored relationship with God. Jesus said, and through faith in me, what does Jesus do? He brings us alongside of the Father. The Father God is the destination. Heaven isn't the destination. Father God's heart and oneness and communion with him is our destination, is our place. Pastor Brenda said it. We are the dwelling place of God. We you and I, every one of you, and I don't care if you're a pastor or if you're 18 or if you're 60 or if you're 80, every single one of you, if you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's a dwelling place of God. Think about that for a moment. You are the dwelling place of God. Let me continue to read this verse, these verses. Verse 7, and from now on you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. We get to experience God. Because of what Jesus did. Philip spoke up, Lord, show us the Father. And that and that will be all that we need. Jesus replied, Philip, I've been with you all this time. And you still don't know who I am. How could you ask me to show you the Father? For anyone who has looked at me has seen the Father. And that Christ is in you. Came out of heaven's glory. God himself. So that you can be one and in communion with him. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 10 I'm going to jump to. The next slide. Don't you believe that the Father is living in me? And that I, I am living in the Father? Even my words are not my own. But come from my Father. For he lives in me and performs his miracles of power through me. Believe that I live as one with my Father and that my Father lives as one with me, or at least believe because of the mighty miracles I have done. You know, in the healing rooms we talk about, this isn't about the healing, which that sounds terrible, they say, but it's actually about presence and it's about living in the place of communion with God. And when you can get people into that place of understanding that they're one with God, because it, one with God is, by the way, does God have any sickness? Does God have any disease? Does God have any emotional issues? Does God have any worry? Does God have any stress? Does God have any fear? But God is in you and in the power of his spirit. And everything that God is is in you. And we can get people to realize that miracles then are the outgrowth of that. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, if you don't believe this, look at all the miracles that have been done in my hand. Miracles come from the presence of God. And that's what Jesus is saying. You want to walk in the miracles of God? You want to see the New Testament church as it was in the book of Acts? Get into the presence of God and allow his Holy Spirit to have full control over you. And yield yourself over to the Holy Spirit in communion with him. The reason why we participate in communion, and he said, do this in remembrance of me, is because he's trying to teach us that we are one with him. One with God. Wow. Let's go to verse 12. Next slide. I tell you this timeless truth. Okay, G Jesus is going to tell you a timeless truth. Listen up now. The person who follows me in faith believing me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do? Wait a second. Come on, Jesus. You really tell me I'm going to do all the same stuff you do? Doesn't he say it's a timeless truth? Is Jesus a liar? Believing in me will do the same mighty miracles that I do, and even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with the Father. 
For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. That is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. How do we bring glory to him? By doing the same things Jesus did. And it says, ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. That's a very powerful uh, set of verses there. But again, is it true? Are you experiencing it in your life then? I'm not, if you're not, we're going to be praying after the service that you begin to. This is who we were called to be. One with him, living like him, and allowing him to do his works through us. And through this whole section of scripture, you're going to see something over and over and over again. And I didn't take every verse. If you obey, if you keep my commandments, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If, if. Pastor Brenda brought it up last week. There's an if. The power of God doesn't flow through a vessel who's unwilling. If you obey me, if you yield to the Holy Spirit, if. See, we've got flesh dealing with our lives and our lives, and we've got the Spirit. Which one are you going to yield to, and which one are you going to believe? Do you believe that God is in you? Do you believe that all the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and makes alive your mortal body through his power? Because I'm reading, that's Romans 8, 11. That's in you. Let's go to the verse um, 15. I want to get through these. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. How do we obey the commands of Jesus? Through love. It says, um, Love for Christ is proven and demonstrated by our obedience to what he says. So by our obedience to what he says, it'll prove that you really love him. Or by your disobedience to him, it'll prove that you really love something else. Verses 16 and 17. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, and in this translation says, Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth who will be to you a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. You can quench the Spirit. You can deny the Spirit. You can walk outside of what the Spirit's directing you, but the Spirit will never leave you. But the Spirit's not going to control you either. The Spirit will not go against your will. Once you get the Holy Spirit, you'll have the Holy Spirit. And there's fresh infillings where you get more and more. Really, what that more or less is, is when we more or more or less get rid of flesh and he's revealed more in us. Because the same Holy Spirit with power is in us. It's just a matter of us getting rid of areas of our life to allow the free flow of the Holy Spirit through us to touch others. And he will never leave us. The world won't receive him because he can't, they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately. Do you know the Holy Spirit intimately? Because that's his desire for you. He wants to be intimately known by you. And he's inside of you and he's saying, let me have control. Let me teach you things. Let me show you things. Let me have your life. What an exciting adventure that would be if we were fully yielded to the Holy Spirit. But you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside you. Now, the Greek word here for that Holy Spirit is uh, parakletos, which technically means one, like as a, I'm going to read this, a defense attorney. It means one called to stand next to you as a helper. Various translations have rendered it counselor, comforter, advocate, encourager, or helper. However, none of these words alone are adequate, and they fall short of the explaining of the full meaning. The translator has shown to use the word savior, for it depicts the role of the Holy Spirit to protect, defend, and to save us from ourselves and our enemies, as well as to keep us whole and healed. He is the one who guides and defends, comforts, and consoles. Keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ, who is our Savior. The Aramaic word for parakletos is actually parakleta, 
which is taken from two root words. Now listen to this. Perik, which means to end or to finish or to save. Lita, which means the curse. What a beautiful word picture. The Holy Spirit has come to save us from the curse. Isn't that exactly what Jesus Christ has come to do? The Holy Spirit continues the work of Jesus in you. Any curse that is not of God, the Holy Spirit's come to make a, a, be your Savior from that. <laughs> Folks, we've got to get a hold of this. We've really got to get a hold of this and understand what Jesus is saying to us here. What he's saying is, my spirit, the spirit of the living God has been put inside of you and will save you and keep you from any curse of this world. Again, if you allow it. Wow. Come to save you from the curse. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next set of uh, verses. Again, Jesus continues, and I'm going to go to verse 18. I promise you that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. He will never leave you as an orphan. Never leave you as an orphan. This world lies to people so much, and those that have not been filled with the Holy Spirit and understand this and, and been born from above don't understand this. And the enemy puts hopelessness on them, and he begins to tear them down and put them in a place of worry, and he takes them to a place where he just keeps taking them, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give us life and more life more abundantly. Which way would you like to live? I know Christians who even were walking in, and I don't understand it, but where they're just in anxiety and worry. I'll just leave it as that, in depression. What that is, is that's not from God, and that's not from the Holy Spirit. And that's not something you need to take on, and that's something you need to give to the Holy Spirit, because he's the Savior from that curse. Amen? And when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are one with me, for I will be living in you. This is Jesus' own words to you. He's now one with the Father. Isn't he sitting at the right hand of the Father? So he is now one with us, and he is now living in us. And everything that he is, you are. Everything that God is, you are. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father, and I will passionately love you in return, and will manifest my life within you. I will actually break open and manifest myself in your life. I will manifest myself in your life is what he's saying. Come on. Do you hear that? God is saying that he will manifest himself in your life if you love him and if you keep his commands. There's an if. Or if you can walk in the flesh, you can do your own thing. Let's skip to verse 23. Let's go to the next set of verses, verse 23. Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. There he goes. He says it again. What did he just say? Loving me, what? Empowers you. Where does the power come from? Him. And how do you get it? By obeying and loving his word. This is simple, basic Christianity. But sometimes we get lost. Um, this morning we woke up and one of the circuits in our house was out. And no matter what we did, we couldn't find if it was a short or whatever it was. The circuit just wouldn't come back on. Everything was unplugged. And it was such a picture of, of mankind sometimes when we've got the power source coming into us, but somehow the power source gets shorted out somewhere. We all have the power source coming into us, all those who have been born again. But when we don't obey him, it shorts out the power. I 
I am telling you, you this while I am still with you. I'm going to start in verse 24, sorry. But, if you, but those who don't love me will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. Everything that Jesus said were from God directly. Every word he did, every person he laid hands on. And by the way, I'm because I'm in the healing rooms thing, but if sickness can be for God, from God to kind of teach us lessons, then why did Jesus heal every single person who was brought to him that was sick? Is he going against God's will? Because he said everything he did and everything he spoke was from the Father. I'm telling you this while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, hallelujah, he will teach you all things in my name. He will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. See, the things of the word of God are not naturally discerned. They are only spiritually discerned. And when you come under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit, the word of God and the words of God and the revelation of God become real and alive to you. He will take every word that is spoken by Jesus. Jesus is called the word, right? And make them real to you and bring them up in your inside of you. Verse 27 uh, next set of verses. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. He gives us his perfect peace, not the world type of peace. He gives us his perfect peace, and he wants to keep that in us and fill us with that again. But it's up to us if we take it and receive it. Perfect peace. How many want perfect peace? I do. And I know when I'm not walking in perfect peace, it's not because he didn't give it to me. It's because I walked out from underneath that perfect peace in my flesh. The reason why you're not in perfect peace is not God's issue because he's given you perfect peace. The reason why you're not in perfect peace is somewhere there's something short somewhere. The power source has been given. We've got to find the short. We've got to find where it's not flowing. We've got to find it and fix it. Come on. Hmm. The same words that Moses gave before he died. And the words God, that God spoke to Joshua as he entered into life's plan by taking the promised land are very similar to these. He's saying, don't yield to fear. Don't be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Same message. Be courageous. Don't yield to fear. For perfect love casts out fear. And we have the one who's in perfect love living inside of us. His spirit, and he will cast that fear out of us. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's move on to uh, chapter 15. Stay there because I've, I got it on the same slide. But chapter 15. Now listen to what Jesus says here. Again, we're talking about communion with him and being one with him. John chapter 15, he continues. Now this is all one thing that Jesus is saying. From chapter 14 all the way to 17, he just finishes communion and begins to speak these words to his disciples and to us. Listen to what he says. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. If you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. He's given us, it's like this vine of refreshing, this vine of all of God is, is being just flowing into us. Again, I'll use the electrical box. We got all this power flowing into us. All this fl power flowing into us from God. Unlimited supply of his revelation power. Unlimited. Everything that Jesus is is being flowing or being put into you. Everything that he is is being put into you. Everything that he is is being put into you. Everything that he is is being put into you. Everything that he is, is being put into you. Everything that he is, is being put into you. Everything that Jesus is, is being, 
is in you. Come on. What will happen when he is your source and when you accept that and walk in that without short? Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness will stream from you. Fruitfulness will, come on, that's why you can say you're the light of the world and the salt of the world because you're going to emanate fruitfulness because he emanates out of you. You just can't, this container doesn't hold it. <laughs> it starts getting out, it starts leaking. Come on. Wow, fruitfulness. Why would we ever want to live separated from that? I know that I don't want to live separated from that power in my house because it runs my internet, it runs two bedrooms, and it runs the hallway, and it runs the area where our dehumidifier is, and we live by the lake, and our humidity is already going up. I want that power back in that area because I need it. We need this type of power in us because that's what we're, we are created for. Let's go to verse 7 in the next slide. And then Jesus says this, but if you step into life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, there's that if again, two ifs, ifs right there in that verse, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. You can't make it more simpler than that. Anything you desire, it will be done if you live in life union with him and if his words live powerfully within you. Verse 8, when your life bears abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Your life will just, how can you not demonstrate it? It will flow out of your life. You want to be a demonstration of all what God is? Yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Understand what communion is. Understand that we become one with him. Understand that it's not about striving in the flesh. It's about yielding in the spirit and allowing him to have full control and allowing him to do his work through you. Verse 14 of that section of scripture says, you will show that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I've commanded you. There it is again. How do we show that we're his intimate friends? How do we demonstrate this thing? How do we know that he is in us when we obey all that he commands? The Greek verb there for that obeying is this. If you keep obeying as a habit. Let me say it that way. If you show that you are my intimate friends when you keep obeying as a habit all that I've commanded you. Verse 15, I've never called you servants. Matter of fact, that was one of the words today. I have never called you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants, and servants don't always understand what the master is doing. But I call you my intimate friends, for I reveal to you everything that I've heard from my father. Wow. <laughs> everything. Everything. He wants to reveal to us that he's heard from the Father. Again, this word intimate friends in here, um, the Greek and Aramaic are both the same here. Basically, it means to be cared from, from the womb or be reborn. I've reborn you or you become reborn again in me. That's where born again, you've been born in me. You've been born into my family. We are intimate friends. You are not born into the flesh or the world anymore, but born into the family of God. You are now part of me. That's what he's saying about being intimate friends. Let's go on to the next slide. Communion with God. Ooh, <laughs> hallelujah. John 16, 13. These three verses, if you don't get anything else, well, there's a lot of verses here. But these three verses, again, we teach in the healing rooms over and over again. These three verses are very important. Because here's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in you, are given in these three verses. And it sums it up by Jesus himself. And this is what the purpose of the Holy Spirit is in you. But when the truth-giving Spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. We could stop right there. Think about that. But when the truth-giving Spirit comes, when the truth-giving Spirit lives in you, he will unveil the reality of every truth 
within you. All the truth comes from Jesus. We learned that in a couple of verses earlier that he said. And now the Holy Spirit will unveil all that truth that's within you and show it to you. The Holy Spirit's purpose for being in you is to unveil all the truths of God in you and to show them to you. Matter of fact, I'm going to use, um, again, I'll get a little detail here. The Greek word for truth is reality. It's not doctrine. The application of truth is not superficial head knowledge. The application of truth in that Greek sense is the reality of the truth. The Holy Spirit will make the truth actually real that you actually walk it out. That's his purpose. Not just to get it here. He's not just going to unveil it to you and give it to you up here in your head. But he's going to actually make a means for you to actually walk in that truth. Wow. He won't speak of his own message, but only what he hears from the Father. And he will reveal and speak to you what is to come. He will even show you future. He will even show you things when you go to pray for somebody. He will even show you how to talk to somebody. He will even show you future stuff in your own life that you need to get straightened out now so that it will be fixed then. He shows you the future. Does, wait a second, I'll read it again just in case you don't believe that. Because this is Jesus saying it, not me. He will reveal and speak to you what is to come. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit in you. Verse 14, he will glorify me on the earth, for he will receive from me what is mine and reveal it to you. Again, another word for reveal it to you, another way to look at that, as he plants within you the seeds of God that then germinate and come up into your life. Just as Jesus is the vine and you are the branches, and when you're connected to him, fruit appears because you're connected into the source. The Holy Spirit, when you're connected into the source, he implants within you the revelation of God for you to walk in. Wow. <laughs> wow. Whoa. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Everything that belongs to the Father belongs to me, Jesus is saying. That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and reveal it to you. So everything, again, Jesus is telling us, everything that is of the Father is of me, and everything that is of me is of the Holy Spirit, and the three of us are one, and everything that you got is from us. Everything. And the Spirit in you now is going to make it real. Wow. Now think about that. Now, we use that in the healing rooms as our prayer ahead of time and as a thing we focus on because we know that we're not touching people and they're getting healed. We know that if we just get in the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he's supposed to do, that people are going to get touched and get healed. We know it will happen because it's said right there. Every area of your life, start to think about that. Every area of your life, he's going to unveil every truth for you. He's going to show you things. He's going to make everything of the Father known to you. He's going to take everything of Jesus and put it upon you and let you walk in it. Come on. Come on. We've got that. Do we have it or not? Does Jesus say that? Amen. Amen. Let's go on. Oh, good. We've still got uh, another two hours. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> oh, is that what happened? <laughs> um, let's move to um, chapter 16, verse 23, and another slide here. Um, here he's going to tell us another, another truth. For here is eternal truth. When that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything. What time? When he goes back to the Father he's talking about. So he's saying, here's an eternal truth. When that time comes, when I go back to the Father is what he was talking about. You won't need to ask me for anything, but instead you'll go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire, and he will give it to you because of your relationship with me. Because we are now one with Jesus, everything of God 
has now been given to us. And all we have to do is ask. Am I reading different? Did you read the same thing? Verse 24, until now you've not been bold enough to ask in the Father for a single thing in my name. But now you can ask him and keep on asking him, and you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for. And then your joy will have no limits. How many want unlimited joy in their life? Come on. I do. Hallelujah. Here's how to get it. Here it is. Here's the answer. Jesus is saying through union and communion with me, for me living inside you. Do you understand when you drink my blood, when you take my body, what you're saying to the world and what you're saying to yourself is you and I are now one. One. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's go on to the next set of verses here. Got to jump down to verse 33 for the sake of time here. Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. Everything that he's taught us is to let us know that the peace that I got, you got now. And will give you great confidence as you rest in me. This unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Mm. All we have to do is rest in his victory. Did he not conquer the circumstances in our life already, even though they haven't happened yet, and the ones that are happening now? Did Jesus walk in victory? Did Jesus conquer sin and death? Did Jesus conquer every circumstance in our life, if we allow him to? He has overcome and conquered the world. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have some circumstances. You're going to have sorrows in this world. Stuff's going to happen in the world. But none of those things can control you because you're going to be living in his peace and living in his anointing and living within his glory. And yes, there are times where we will mourn, but we will be mourning in God and not in the flesh. Let's go on to John chapter 17 in the same section. Here's something that's real key. How many want to know the definition of eternal life? You're going to get it from Jesus right here. The definition of eternal life. Here it is, spelled out for you in, these, in this verse right here, actually, two verses. Jesus actually defines eternal life for us. Some people think, well, it's going to heaven. Well, it's this or it's that. Here's the definition of eternal life. Eternal life means, this is from Jesus saying this, to know and to experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son whom you have sent. Now Jesus and begins to change his mode of talking to them because now he's talking directly to the Father in front of them. And so he says directly to the Father in front of all of us, eternal life means to know and experience you, Father, as the only true God, and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son who you have sent. Here's the word know in that place. Know means to be intimately attuned and one with. To be one in communion with. To know absolutely. So eternal life means to know absolutely, to be intimate with, to be in communion with, to be in unity with. And experience means to encounter and to have life union or be involved with you as the only true God. This is eternal life. This is what we are saved for. This is why he came and died for us. So that the two of us, me and him, could be one. So that Deborah and him could be one. So Steve and him could be one. So Dale and him could be one. So Pete and him could be one. So Jerry and him could be one. Come on, so Helen and him could be one. That is why he came and died for us and gave us this life so that we would become one with him again. That's eternal life. That's the definition of eternal life. 
That's how it's defined. And if you define it any other way, you're defining it different than what Jesus said. That's who you are. That's why he did what he did for you. So that the two of you would be one. He died for you in your place and took on sin and destruction and the curse so that he could be one with you because he loves you so much. His whole purpose of God and creating you, the whole purpose of Jesus Christ coming to the earth was because of his love was so deep for you that all he wants, all God wants from us is to be one with us and allow him to live his life through us on this earth, and for all eternity. That's who you are. That's eternal life. That's communion. Hmm. And he keeps on talking to the Father and praying to the Father. I'm going to go to the next slide, verse 20 of chapter 17. And I and now, listen to this. He's going to actually start praying to the Father for you directly. Here's his words to God the Father, from God the Son, interceding for you. Listen to what he says about you. I ask not only for these disciples, and those are the disciples with him, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. Did you believe in Jesus Christ through the message that you heard? Have you believed in Jesus Christ? Everybody here believed in Jesus Christ? Let me see your hands. Okay, so this is you he's talking about in verse 20. Listen, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. Jesus' prayer for you is that just as God the Father and God the Son are one, you are one with them. I've said this before, and it might sound almost sacrilegious in some circles, but there's more than a trinity. There's a fourth person in that, and that's you. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and you as one. Isn't that what you're hearing from Jesus? I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them because to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you have sent me. Now, why are we to be one with him while we're still on this earth? So that we are demonstrated the same thing that Jesus did on the earth while we're still here and that the world will see who he is through us. Mm. they will recognize why Jesus was sent because you are living epistles, holy examples. You are ambassadors for Christ. You are the living dwelling place of God on this earth. The temple is not made with hands. The temple is you. Now listen to this. This is going to sound sacrilegious too, but it's Jesus saying it. Sacrilegious or, I don't know another word. Verse 22. Jesus actually, these are his words, not me. Listen to what he's saying about you. For the very glory that you've given me, I have given them. The very glory that's on Jesus is on you. The very glory that's on God is on you so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. Woo! <laughs> Whoa! Hallelujah! Come on, somebody's got to give a clap offering for that. The same glory that's in God is in you, and he loves that. He wants that for us. Matter of fact, in Isaiah 42, 8, it says, I will not share, share my glory with another. He says that. Is that him calling? In Isaiah 42, 8, it says, I will not share my glory with another. God's saying that. But you're not another. You're like him. You're one of him. You are him. That's why we can, he can share his glory with you. You're not another. You are him. 
God shares his glory with us. People say, well, we can't receive the glory of God because he never shares his glory with another. It says that right in Isaiah 42.8. Yeah, but we're not another. We share in the glory of God. Wow. Come on. Think about that. Just saturate yourself with that for a moment. All these things that he's saying about you, you have the same glory, the manifest presence of God, the glory, Shabbat glory, the, come on, that heavy weighty glory that, that kind of you sense sometimes when the manifest presence comes, which is in this place now, is in you individually. Mm. Ooh, hallelujah. Jesus. Let's, let's, ooh, uh, hmm. let's go to the next um, slide, verse 23. And Jesus says, you will live fully in me, and now I live fully in them. So what he's saying to God the Father, you live fully in me, Father God, and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Mm. The world needs to see this. The world needs to see this in us. The world, we are the answer for the world's problems. It's not this election. We are the answer for this world's problems. It's the Christ in us. It's the Holy Spirit showing us and unveiling the things of God in us. And us living outside the four walls of this church into the world with this manifesting in us. That's Christianity in action. The reason why the world's in the state it's, it's in it's the Christian's fault. And I know I don't want to sound real negative, but if we've got all this stuff and we're not showing it out to the world and we're hiding it for itself. Matter of fact, Bill Johnson says it this way. The Holy Spirit has been trapped in unbelieving believers and he wants out. Please don't be one who traps the Holy Spirit in you. Holy Spirit is in you so that that light can touch others for his glory. Verse 26, I've given them the revelation of who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them. He wants to continue in an ongoing process in your life to make God more real and more real and more real and more real and more real. And more real. Ooh. And more real. So that they may experience, actually walk in, the same endless love that you and I, that you have for me. For your love will now live in them, even as I live in them. That's communion. That's a picture of communion. That's who Jesus says we are. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask the uh, if Amy could come up. Amy's back there. Could you come up and begin to play quietly, and then we'll maybe have the rest of the worship team come up a little later. But let's go to the next slide. I want to go back to the definition of eternal life and put some of the Greek and um, Aramaic meanings into this, into the word know and into the word experience. Eternal life means to know by intimacy, by oneness, by unity, by communion, and experience through encounter, living practice, and involvement with you as the only true God. Are you intimate with him? Are you one with him? Are you in union with him? Are you in communion with him? Are you encountering him? Are you living 
in the practice of allowing him to flow through you. And then it says, and to know by intimacy, oneness, unity, communion, and experience through encounter, living practice, and involvement with Jesus Christ, the Son whom you have sent. I want to have you all stand because you were created to live in eternal communion with God. You were created for this. This isn't some pie-in-the-sky thing. This isn't a good message. This is who you are. And we need this revelation of who we are in Christ if we're going to touch this world for his glory, if we're going to touch him. Because here's, here's the outgrowth of it. Here's what happens when you are living in this place. I'm going to read a couple verses. Here's what takes place is in Isaiah 11:2, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord will rest upon you because the Holy Spirit's in you. All those things will be on you. Mm. See, you were created to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's Mark 10.8. Luke 4.18 says, You are anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recover the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What that means is, it's the time is now and the acceptable year of the Lord has come upon us because of what he did. And the time is now. There's captives out there. There's those who are oppressed. There's those who are hurting who need to hear this message. But they're not going to hear it if we don't live in it. So the altar call today, I'm going to have the altar team come up here is we're going to ask for more. We're going to ask for actually for God to find the short in our life if we're not walking in this. Now, some of you may be walking in this, totally. Or some of you may be walking into it or walking into it some of the times. Or maybe you've got a power flow of this, but there's, there's a voltage shortage somewhere that's kind of restricting the flow. Whatever it is, if you want more of this, what Jesus has said... That's good. I want you to come up and we're going to actually lay hands on you and ask the Holy Spirit to come in a new and refreshing way. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell upon them in a mighty way. And cloven tongues of fire came upon them. And the fire of God began to touch them. And people were healed and set free and saved. And things started happening. But in Acts chapter 4, they asked for more. And more of the Holy Spirit came. I'm saying if you want more, we're going to pray for that today. Also. So if I can have the prayer team come up now, if I can get the prayer team up here. And prayer team, I want you to, unless the person asks specifically, I want you to pray for more of the Holy Spirit to come up on them. More of what we just spoke about. More of the Spirit of the living God to fall upon them. The fire of God to become to come on them and to cleanse them. Take them to a new place in their journey with God. I'm going to ask right now, maybe there's someone in this house, Father God. Maybe there's someone in this house who's never experienced you, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. If they are here today, you need to run up here and confess that to somebody. You need to allow Jesus to make his home in you. That's what you were created for. You know it deep down inside that you've been missing something in here. You know that there was something more that you were created for. This is it. This is it. This is who you are. And I pray that you run forward and come to one of these people and they'll lead you in a prayer that allows God to fill you with all the fullness of him and to move you into your purpose and destiny. If that's you, come on up right now. Others, I want you to start coming up now. Anybody who wants more Holy Spirit. Anybody that wants more Holy Spirit. Anybody who wants more of this. Actually come forward now. Don't leave here yet. Don't leave here. This is not some good message thing that it's okay, it's time to go. I want you to really seal this in your own heart. 
every single person in this room can use more of the Holy Spirit. Every person in this room can use more. And I cry out for more. 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 More Holy Spirit. Fire of the living God begin to fall in this place. Fire of the living God begin to fall on each one. Let those cloven tongues of fire begin to just flow on them right now. Burn off all the dross. Burn off anything that's not of God. He says, if you love me, you obey me. Put that love on them. Holy Spirit, begin to pour the love of God on each one right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, more. More. Cry out for more. Come on, this isn't just some church thing right now. This is an opportunity to change your life forever. Forever. Come on, more. Be diligent. Wait for prayer. If I can get some catchers up here, if I can get some catchers.